Hello, hello, hello. I'm your host, Connie Aline, and thank you for tuning into The Fly Behind the Wall, a podcast created to change the narrative about the realities of life in the United States prisons and jails. My goal is to highlight the challenges faced by all correctional staffers working behind the wall and the issues that they navigate in a highly political and highly scrutinized environment. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Fly Behind the Wall and thank you so much for joining me again. Today we're gonna explore what I call walking the tightrope. You know, civilian employees have to master this balancing act of working for their vendor, their third party, and complying with DOC um, expectations and such. Um, It's not an easy thing to do, especially when you might be very focused on your, your scope. This is what I'm here to do. Everything else is just noise in the environment, and it's simply just not. So I'm talking specifically to my civilian folks who, you know, are not really feeling the DOC vibe. I do hope, though, that my insights will be helpful in broadening your perspective and your understanding. So stay tuned. All right, I'm gonna just get right to it because stepping into corrections is just very daunting. You know, perhaps some of us can hide behind our degrees and the authority inherent in our titles and possibly ignore the impact that DOC will have on your life. But, you know, I wasn't one of those people who could ignore that. The layers of politics that I had to learn in order to navigate corrections was quite overwhelming. I mean, depending on your organizational structure, the layers of politics are like quite thick. So if you were a vendor, you had to learn DOC politics, your vendor politics, and be very aware of the relationship between your vendor and DOC, because the politics within there also will dictate the relationship that you have with leadership in your facility. Then you got to learn the politics of union versus non-union. So that adds a whole other dynamic. You got to learn the politics, the internal politics, right? So some, the warden may have a favorite dep warden or lieutenant or captain. There are all these informal leaders internally in this chain of command that you need to learn And so if you don't get with it, like you've got to walk in with the intention of saying, I need to learn the true culture of this facility, not what people say, but what I see based on my interactions with the folks here. Here's the reality though. You know, I talk about walking this tightrope and figuring out how to find balance, but you find balance in knowing yourself. You get to know people. You get to engage with people and figure out for yourself where people are really coming from. You know, there are people who are going to be super supportive of you and there's people who simply will not be supportive of you. 
But as you learn all these layers of politics, you have to synthesize that information and decide for yourself where you stand and what, how you need to move, how you need to conduct yourself in order to be successful. I mean, and you, you got to face it, at any given moment, the dynamics of the environment can change. As a civilian, you're expected to be adaptable. You're expected to think quickly on your feet and consider all the possible risks to all the layers, as well as your own personal safety, right? Because we, we can't ignore that we also want to be safe as employees. You know, while it's essential given the environment, I always think like, is this realistic for me to be juggling all this stuff all the time? You know, not all employees can do that. Not employee, not all employees have that capacity or the mental fortitude to do that day in and day out without error, right? Because the moment you slip up, there's going to be someone from your central office or your management who's going to hold you accountable for that slip up because that's a another ding to that relationship with custody that they don't necessarily want or do they need it especially when we're, we're we're working in quite tense times as we are right now you know unfortunately the environment can be very unforgiving and so it is essential that you understand how highly political corrections is and and yes it can be very chaotic and it can be very disorganized at times but as a civilian you have to learn so that you yourself can contribute to that intelligence that doc has there you know civilian employees and corrections we we possess a breadth of knowledge within our own professional realms and we bring this diverse experience to facilities every day that's not necessarily what you're being compensated for but it is what you will need in order to be successful in the environment you need to tap into all the tools in your in your personal tool chest you know it's our soft skills that de-escalate incidents as we rarely engage in that power struggle you know, in general, civilians, we try to compromise unless the request is in some direct conflict with the agency expectations, a moral code, or some code of ethics, right? Um, civilians, employees, we add balance to the conversation. So, you know, custody can be very, this is directive, this is the step we got to take, oh, the inmate, blah, 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 blah. And civilians come in usually with the, oh, well, how can we do this? And how come we can't do that? We start questioning stuff just because of our experiences outside of the world of corrections, not because we're undermining or trying to circumvent the internal process or we want to undermine the chain of command. That's not it at all. So like, I want to make sure that we're clear on that. You know, there is this protective rigidity that custody has as it relates to their administrative directives. And we can't ignore that this is a paramilitary environment and many things are simply just that black and white. It's it's not about being able to really innovate because the directives don't really give you much wiggle room. Although you can read through and there's been different interpretations of stuff, they really don't stray far from what the directive says. You know, I think the other thing is that 
You have civilians, civilians who are just there and they're interested in learning. They're willing to help. They want to be a part of the team. And there are some leaderships that can feel threatened by that. And that's not where we're coming from. You know, we, if I come in as a doctor, I'm not coming in to become warden doctor or Dr. Warden, right? Like I'm still the doctor. That's not my scope, you know, but I think if we can begin to think from a more collaborative space, we would be able to see the value that civilians are bringing by having these diverse work experiences. And, you know, there are these opportunities where we get to really work together. Like those collaborative efforts are like the small victories that we just love when they happen. You know, I have witnessed partnering with DOC in a positive way and really know that it is possible. So what are some things that we should be considering? So, you know, when you have an issue as a civilian, you got to be mindful of the chain of command. Who are you talking to? Are you talking to the right person? And what are you talking to them about? I think the other thing too is, you know, we don't think about these casual conversations as negotiations, but they are right? Like you trying to get something from DOC, whatever it is, you trying to get, you nav, you trying to get the people on your list called down, right? Here's my list for today. It's almost count time. I've only seen two people. I've been here since eight o'clock, right? That's not a very productive day for you. Someone's going to hold you accountable for that, right? But you have to be able to go to DOC and be prepared hey, I gave my list in yesterday. Here are the people that I really, really need to see. If I can't see everybody on my list today, here are the ones that are the priority. And so you give them the information they need in order to take action. You can't be of the mindset that this is too much for me. I don't want to have to do all of that. I just want to be able to give them the list and they just call the people. It can't be that hard. No, you have to have patience because you don't know whatever, what else they might be working on that might be a priority for their posts for that day. Like, and really at all boils down to communication. Because if that is the case, there should be some communication about here are my post orders for today, or I'm going to get this, I'm going to get these inmates down to you, but I need to do X, Y, and Z first. Right. So, I mean, there's a way. But you can't come with a nasty attitude or a threatening attitude and expect that they're going to want to jump through hoops for you. You can't approach the situation assuming the worst either. Oh, they just don't want to call my people and you take it personal. It's nothing personal. Sometimes it's a matter of the civilian controlling their emotions, right? Don't let emotion get in the mix of the conversation. I mean, I use the list as like an example, but there are other things clearly that happen in the environment that civilian may need to go to corrections for. You know, at one point I had gotten word that there was going to be a shakedown. We were also in the process of preparing for NCCHC reaccreditation and we needed to have, um, there were a few inmates that we needed to see because they were going to end up being interviewed. We wanted to make sure they knew what to expect, blah, blah, blah. Okay, great. 
When is the shakedown? That facility is completely locked down. There's no movement because even if you needed escorted movement, the escorts are part of the shakedown. So, I mean, once I got word, I called the warden. I was like, hey, listen, you know, we're getting ready for NCCHC, as you know, because there's a lot of facility improvements that he had to approve. Um, So he was very much in the know of the process of what was happening. And I was like, listen, we need to see these two inmates. They're going to be, actually it was three. We're going to need to see these three inmates. They're going to be interviewed by the surveyor. And I know you guys are planning to do a lockdown. I just need to get these three inmates before you do that. He was like, great, Connie, no problem. I'm glad you called me. Right? It's things like that where it's just a word, right? It's just communication so that there are no misunderstandings and knowing that that is a point of negotiation right i was prepared with the information i was able to maintain my integrity i didn't say i just need i just need these guys because i need these guys no i was transparent and i was acknowledging that he had something operationally that were in the works that i was going to be asking him to put on pause But he knew how important the accreditation was. And so he said, okay, no problem. We do want to be able to maintain our standards. And so you see them. And when they're done, we'll do what we have to do. And I did, it was a first thing in the morning thing. That way it wasn't disruptive. It let the facility operational um, event go on. And I was able to get my stuff done. I was able to make sure my doctor, my nurse, saw the three people that we needed to see. Um, so there are definitely times where we have to figure out what's the right thing to do. What's the right action to take? It's been my experience that DOC responds to litigation, loss of life and public scrutiny. If we can take care of things within the walls, they would prefer that we took care of things within the walls, which means have a conversation. Sometimes it's just an email. Sometimes it's just a question. Even if you don't have access to the warden, who's the officer that you have access to in the unit where you might work at? You know, talk to him, let him escalate things as needed, whatever that thing is. And if you find that that's not working, that's when you go to the next person in the chain of command. But you have to trust that you've given the officer all the information he needs in order to take action. And you also have to be patient because something could happen in the unit within that day. And then he got distracted. He didn't get to follow through, not because he didn't think it was important, but some other priority came. We, we work within conflicting priorities all the time. And it matters that we're able to be understanding of the facility operation, how that other thing became a priority, and that we're not going to personalize that there was a delay and a request that we made, but it wasn't because the officer's just lazy, he don't care. It wasn't because the officer just wasn't trying to help you. It was because something else came up, but he's going to address it. Um, I think the last thing I just want to talk about is civilians being vulnerable, right? So civilians are just as vulnerable to offender manipulation and assault, arguably even more so than officers. Civilians serve in a variety of roles. So 
health services, school, facility management, kitchen, legal, library, administrative services, counselors, you name it. Civilians are all throughout facilities. And we don't always have an officer with us. Civilians have to be mentally strong and knowledgeable, and they have to triage conflicting priorities all day long. Oversimplification of the roles, the importance of, and the contributions that civilian employees make to DOC will continue to drive high staff turnover rates, causing the industry to lose vital aspects of correctional expertise and specialized knowledge. See, this is a pivotal time in corrections with budgetary constraints, acute officer shortages, a huge number, a huge growth in medically and mentally compromised offenders. You know, this high offender to staff ratio, skyrocketing violence. I mean, alignment right now isn't just a nicety. Civilian employees are a valuable resource that has been ineffectively utilized. To achieve the broader mission, DOC must acknowledge the intangible and indispensable hard and soft skills that civilian employees bring to the table. It is a value that only adds to the overall DOC intelligence. I can't stress it enough. Civilian employees, we are learning to walk this tightrope. We exist at this weird intersection, you know, where we're a civilian, we're not DOC, we're not quite at the level of DOC, but the expectations are that we function at a certain level. Whether or not we are provided with the training, the expectation is that we learn to function at a certain level. And quite frankly, not everybody is capable, but we try, we try, we try. So to all my civilians out there who are trying their best to be a part of the DOC intelligence, to be, you know, a part of the the family, just understand or just know that we understand that civilians exist at the intersection of two identities, either service provider or vendor or their pseudo DOC employee in some systems. And the result of that is high levels of conflict. There is nothing that effective communication can't cure. Until next time, be safe. No matter what David and Goliath situation you find yourself in, remember the words of Rosa Parks. You must never be fearful about what you are doing when it is right. I hope that I've given you enough to continue a healthy conversation about our correctional staffers and the issues that they navigate behind the wall.
Thank you so much for listening as I continue to make my own slice of the world a little better. You have just listened to The Fly Behind the Wall, now available on iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, and other listening platforms. Be sure to subscribe, share, and write a review. Join me next time Behind the Wall.